Thank you for coming. If you're a guest this morning, my name is Al Pino, and I have the privilege of being one of the two pastors here. You heard from Corey Smidgen just a moment ago, and now I, I have the joy to bring you the Word of God. So if you would please turn in your Bibles to John chapter 10, John chapter 10 in the New Testament, John chapter 10, and we're going to begin reading in verse 22, John chapter 10, verse 22, the message this morning is entitled, Jesus and the Father are one, and let's dive into the Word of God as we read about the wonderful doctrine of the Trinity, which we will be examining this morning, the wonderful doctrine of Jesus Christ, who is the Messiah, the Son of God, and this passage, these verses are filled with rich theological truth and doctrine, which have such application to our lives. So I can't wait to get into it. Let me begin to read John chapter 10, verse 22. At that time, the feast of dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. Now, the feast of dedication, if I might give you a little bit of a history lesson so you can understand this passage better. The feast of dedication is what we celebrate today or the Jews celebrate today as Hanukkah. This is called the Feast of Lights. And it's a feast that was kind of a Johnny-come-lately. This feast was inaugurated in 164 B.C., about 190 years before the time of Jesus. And, and here's the background of the feast. The temple had been desecrated by a pagan king. He had actually uh, done a sacrifice on the high altar in the temple to the Greek god Zeus. Obviously, they had conquered Israel, and he desecrated the temple. And this guy named Judas Maccabeus led an uprising of Jews, and they reconquered the temple, and they threw out this, this abomination, and they rededicated the temple. So you need to remember this, very important. This dedication, this feast, is filled with political and military significance. If you're an American here, and if you know your American history, it would be kind of like us saying, remember the Alamo! Or kind of like, if you remember the picture of the Marines raising up the flag on Iwo Jima in World War II, it's a famous picture. It was very patriotic, very military, very political. So there's a reason why God had John, the evangelist, note that it was the Feast of Dedication. So remember that. All right, back to the text. John chapter 10, verse 24. So the Jews, and when it says the Jews here, typically it was the leaders, the elders, those that didn't like Jesus very much. They were kind of suspicious of him. So the Jews gathered around him, Jesus, and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Now again, just a little bit of a commentary for you. The Jews here weren't asking Jesus because they wanted to worship him. They actually wanted to waste him. They wanted to kill him. They were annoyed with Jesus. In fact, the phrase in verse 24, how long will you keep us in suspense, could also be translated from the Greek into the English the following way. How long do you intend to annoy us? Because he was a political annoyance to the Jewish leaders. They wanted to get rid of him. All right, so back to the text. 
Verse 25 of John 10. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not part of my flock. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. And then Jesus drops the bombshell. Verse 30. I and the Father are one. Verse 31. The Jews immediately picked up stones again to stone him. Verse 32. Jesus answered them. Imagine the courage of our Lord. Here's a crazed mob of religious fanatics that are going to kill you because you're claiming to be God. Listen to what he says in verse 32. Jesus answered them, I've shown you many good works from the Father. For which one, for which of them are you going to stone me? The Jews answered, It's not for a good work that we're going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. Jesus answered them, now, this is a little bit confusing to us. I'm going to try to explain this by the help of the Lord. But this next argumentation doesn't quite make sense to most of us. But follow it with me if you can. Jesus answered him, Is it not written in your law, I said you are gods? If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken. By the way, Jesus comments that the scripture is the authority of God. You can't ever break it. It's a nice little commentary on scripture. Verse 36, do you say of him, he's speaking of himself, whom the Father consecrated and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said I'm the Son of God? See, right there, Jesus is admitting he's the Christ because the term Son of God, Messiah, and Christ, they're all synonymous. Okay, they're all synonymous. If I am not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe me. But... If I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand. Now, here's another statement of the Trinity. That you may know and understand what? That the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Let's pray. Lord, would you please anoint, equip, enable me to speak your word this morning with clarity and the authority of your spirit. And would you... Would you help those that are listening to my voice to hear it with faith? Lord, awaken dead hearts to you. Open up stopped up ears that can't hear. Lord, give us life, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. One of corporate America's most famous slogans was penned over half a century ago. In fact, this slogan... Was, was rated by Northwestern University School of Marketing as the number one slogan in America. That's right. You're probably familiar with it. It's the Allstate slogan, you're in good hands. And it was developed by a company sales executive named Davis Ellis, whose daughter had just been diagnosed with hepatitis. Arriving home from work one night shortly after his daughter had been hospitalized, a worried Ellis was greeted by reassuring words from his wife who told him, the hospital said not to worry. We're in good hands with the doctor. Well, this morning, the Lord God Almighty says not to worry. You're in good hands with Jesus. That is what God wants to communicate to you this morning. He wants to communicate to you what's in your notes here. He wants to tell you to rest secure in God's hands. 
However, I must, I must speak to some of you this morning. Because that promise, you're in good hands with Jesus, and you can rest secure in God's hands, only applies to you if you belong to God. It doesn't apply to you if you're a free agent. If you're doing your own thing. If you're determining your own way to live. Actually, you have no security in God's hands. And trust me, you're in God's hands. But you have no security. And nor should you have any hope of security. Because you're a rebel. And you do not love God. And you're doing your own thing. Really, what you have is insecurity. In yourself. In a troubled world. But here's my prayer, that as you hear this message, that God would give you life and that God would give you understanding and he would be able to have your your stopped up hearing unstopped and your blind eyes given sight and your hard heart given life. And if that happens, here's your hope. You've got security in in an insecure world. You can rest, you can rest secure in God's hands. I beg you, to hear it. And I've already asked the Father to give it to you this morning, right now. Now, for those of us who are in Christ, for those of us who belong to Him, we have this wonderful plan in the text. In fact, there's this great statement here in your notes. Corey shared this with me on Friday, and I thought, this is so good. The Father and Son's unity is our security. Do you see it there? The Father and Son's unity is our security. And this unity that we're going to discover, we're going to look at this morning, is really what we call the Trinity. It's really what we call the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. One God, three persons, and the unity is one of purpose, or function, and it is one of being. And we can rest secure because the Father and the Son are one. The Father and the Son are one in their purpose to save us. The Father and the Son are one in their being. One God, three persons, accomplishing redemption for you and for me. So let's look at the first point there in your notes. This unity of purpose between the Father and the Son. This is what we would call redemption. Let's take a look at verses 24 to 30 in a little more detail. In a little more detail. If you see here in verse 24, the Jews gathered around him and said to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. When they use this term, if you are the Christ, they are introducing unity of purpose. Because every Jew knew that God would send the Christ That is the Greek term for Messiah. It's also synonymous with Son of God. And God would send the Messiah, they thought, to deliver them militarily and politically from their oppressors. Because everything they'd seen in their background is God sends a leader to redeem them from the pagans that are oppressing them. What they thought Jesus was going to do was throw the Romans out and set them free like Jacob Maccabeus did 190 years earlier. And what Jesus was trying to tell them is, that's not why I came. I did not come to set you free from the oppression of the Romans. I came to set you free from the oppression and death of sin. 
I don't come to bring a political military freedom. I come to bring a spiritual freedom. My kingdom is not of this world, but it is of the spiritual world. And they missed it. They totally missed it. My question to you, do you miss it? Do you come to Jesus wanting him to do your bidding, throw out the enemies you think need to be thrown out of your life so that you can be free to be your own God, your own nation, your own sovereign nation? Or do you see that Jesus has come not to take sides, but to take over and to take over your life and to free you from an oppression that you probably don't even know? And that is the oppression to sin, to Satan, to this world. You see, Jesus now, he says, I told you in verse 25, and you do not believe. What did he tell them? I told you I'm the Messiah. I told you I'm the Christ. But you're looking for a political, strong, military Messiah. I'm coming as a suffering Savior Messiah. And you missed it. You missed all those good works that I did. I did them in my Father's name, and they bear witness of me. Verse 26, key verse. But you do not believe because you are not part of my flock. You're not part of my flock. You're not part of my people. I just have a question for you. Are you a part of Jesus' flock? Are you a part of his people? Well, he gives us, he gives us what it looks like to be part of his flock, part of his people. Here's what he says, verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So in your notes, there's a little test to see, are you part of his flock? Well, here's the first point. You know you're part of his flock if you hear his voice. Do you hear his voice this morning? Do you want to know what Jesus' voice is to you this morning? It's these words. Do you hear them? Are they important to you? At one point, Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Do you, dear friend, live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God? If you do, you're one of his flock. If you don't, you're a pretender. You're not a sheep, you're a goat. And one day, when you come up to the Lord... He's going to say, I never knew you. You hung out in church, you played the game, but I never knew you because you didn't know my voice. Oh, may that change this morning. Number two, you know you're his sheep. If Jesus knows you, you see that there? In verse 27, be I know them. Now, what does that mean? How do I know if Jesus knows me? Well, here's how you know if Jesus knows you. If you have relationship with him. Now, right here, we're beginning to see the, the really the... Uh, the, the picture of something the Bible calls election. That salvation doesn't depend on me choosing God, but on God choosing me. So does Jesus know you? Do you have a relationship with him? And then the last part of verse 27 will tell you and me if you know him and if he knows you and they follow me. And they follow me. You are the sheep of the Lord if you follow Jesus. This speaks of a lifestyle change. It speaks of having a relationship with the Lord. It speaks of doing what he says to do. Not your own way. Here's the deal. You simply cannot say, I am one of his sheep, one of his flock, and live life your own way. 
You cannot say that I'm one of his and live the way you think. You cannot consistently live in opposition to everything he teaches in his word, his voice, and say that you're his. You're not. You're a free agent. You're, you're contract labor, but you don't belong to him. And if you don't belong to him, then you don't have these, these promises that mark his sheep. Verse 28, I, Jesus speaking, give them eternal life. If you're his sheep, you have eternal life. And they will no, never perish. You will never perish. There is no fear of dying. And no one will snatch them out of my name, out of my hand. You will have security in the Father. You will rest secure in God's hands if you're one of his sheep. Now here's the illustration. Th this metaphor, this figure of speech that he's using so that you can know if you're a sheep or not, is one of the shepherd caring for his sheep. Last week we discussed this figure of speech when we, when we preached on Jesus being the good shepherd. When Jesus is your good shepherd, here's what he says. I'm going to give you eternal life and no one can snatch you out of my hand because no one is bigger or badder than I am. I am the biggest, baddest one on the block. And if they want to get to you, they have to get through me. And they're not going to get through me because you're my sheep. So therefore, you can rest secure in the Lord if you really belong to him. That's the point here. He's the one that guards you. Therefore, no one can get to you. Unless he allows them to. And if he does allow them to, it is for your good. Now let me, just, let me just pause and say there's lots of application here. Here's an application. Lord, I thought you said you were my shepherd. I just found out I have cancer. How did you let that in? Do I trust you? Lord, I thought you said you were my shepherd. I just got robbed. I just lost my, 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 my home. I just lost my job. I, I, I'm under tremendous pressure. My marriage is breaking up. I'm looking at my teens and I'm thinking, how in the world am I going to care for these teens? Where are you, good shepherd? I feel like the wolves are taking me apart one leg, one hand, one foot at a time. They're eating me. Here's the deal. He is your good shepherd. And if he's allowed this in your life, it is for your good and his glory. Trust him. Because nobody, nothing can do anything to you unless he allows it. Because he's your shepherd. He guards the door. He lays down at the door to the sheep. And no one can get through him to you unless he allows it. Now that begs another question. Why would he allow it? He allows it for his glory and your good. Because, because listen. The Jews said, make my life better on this earth. And Jesus said, that's not my goal. My goal is to make your life better in eternity. And if your goal is to find Jesus so that he makes your life better on this earth, you're missing it. Jesus gave his life for you to equip you and enable you to have an eternity with him in the new heavens and the new earth. And at times, that means that he will allow things into your life that aren't pleasant. He will allow things into your life that are difficult, but he's your good shepherd and you can trust him. You can be secure. You can rest secure in God's hands as his sheep. Now, look at verse 30. Jesus says in a very powerful way, the Father, I and the Father 
We are one. We are one. Here's that point is the father and son's unity is our security. What Jesus is talking about here is a unity of purpose. What is the purpose? The purpose is, verse 29, the father gives me the sheep. We've just read, I give the sheep eternal life that God may be glorified. Let me take you to one other scripture here at the very end of the book. It's in chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. Just so you can see, very briefly, the purpose of God. John 20, 30 and 31. It's the reason that this book was written. John 20, 30 and 31 says the following. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these signs are written so that what? Look at this. So that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. There you have it. Christ, Son of God, synonymous. He's the one that's unified with God in the purpose to come save us. And that by believing you may have life in his name. Now, go back to John 10. And what does it say in John 10 that he gives us? Verse 28. I give them what? Eternal life. Eternal life. Now, eternal life begins now. But eternal life focuses on the new heavens and the new earth. Therefore, our shepherd cares for us as his sheep. We're in his hands. He wants to perfect us. Often he perfects us through trials. But those trials don't mean that he's not in control. Nor does it, it doesn't mean that we're not his sheep. It just means that he is preparing us. He is caring for us for eternal life. <laughs> for the spiritual kingdom that is his. So get your eyes on him, on his kingdom, and off yourself and your kingdom. Do you see it? The father and son's unity is your security. The father and son are united in purpose. Nothing can happen to you that God does not allow. Can you rejoice, my friend, in this unity that produces such security in you? Can can you, listen, can this security... Deal with the fear you have right now of whatever it is that you're fearing. Can it, can, it, can it motivate you to take risks for the gospel? Can it motivate you to, to lead your family, men, in a way that God wants you to lead, even though I know it's difficult? Ladies, can it motivate you? Can the security you have in Christ motivate you to submit to your husbands without fear? Teens, can it motivate you to live for something other than yourself? Can it motivate us by faith to follow God because he is our good shepherd? Now, this unity of purpose, this unity of purpose speaks of a deeper unity. And this is this unity of being. And it's what the Bible really talks about as the Trinity. What theologians talk about as the Trinity. When Jesus said, I and the Father are one in verse 30, He is speaking a language that the Jews could not understand. But they did understand this. Jesus was making himself to be God. And so that's why they wanted to kill him. Let's drop into verse 31. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? See, they were ready to kill Jesus because in their minds, they understood that proclaiming to be one with the Father in purpose meant that he was one with the Father in being. They accused Jesus of blasphemy because he, 
being a man, was making himself out to be God. How sad. How sad, dear ones. They totally missed. First of all, they totally missed the many good works of Jesus. What did he do? He just finished healing a guy born blind in chapter 9. He fed 5,000 people with just a few loaves of bread and two fish. He healed a man that was lame, sitting by a pool in Jerusalem for 30-some years. He turned 180 gallons of water into wine, yeah, at a wedding. And he's about, he's about to raise a guy from the dead. Come back next week and hear about that one. And all these are works of the Father. And Jesus is saying, I did these. They all speak of me being the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God. But you don't, you don't see them. You don't hear them. You want to kill me because of these works? And they said, no, we want to kill you because you being a man, make yourself out to be God. Oh, friends, they had it totally upside down. Jesus wasn't a man making himself out to be God. That's what you and I do all the time. You being a man or a woman, make yourself out to be God when you say, not your will, but my will, Father. Every time you're angry, you make yourself out to be God because only God gets what he wants all the time. Only God's will is invaluable. Only God's will will always happen. But you act like God when your will isn't done and you get mad. Scripture tells us that. Why do you get mad? Because you don't get what you want. Only you, 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 and me, we, are the ones being men who make ourselves out to be God, but only one person ever is God and made himself out to be man. Dude, you just missed a great time to just scream and like run around the room, okay? Don't do it. We're not Pentecostals, although this message gets me close. Look, 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 look. It's a dime a dozen men making themselves out to be God. Everybody does it. Just get in your car and drive in the palmetto. I'm God, get out of my way. Just stand in line somewhere. Just get in a relationship with someone. They're going to immediately get mad at you because you don't serve them the way they deserve because they're God. So dude, you, you being a man, make yourself out to be God. That's called blasphemy. And that's why I say to you, if you're not one of his sheep, please fear and have the dread of God on you. Because you're a rebel, and so am I. We all do this. Adam and Eve started it, they started the trend, and we followed it. But only one, being God, made himself to be man. They got it totally opposite. He wasn't blaspheming. He was telling them the truth. Oh, i got to show you this one scripture before we move on. It's, it, it's Philippians 2. I think it's going to be shown here on the screen. Philippians 2. Write that scripture down under the unity of being. Philippians 2, 6 and 7. Philippians 2, 6 and 7. I've been memorizing it, so we'll see how well I did. Though he was in the form of God, I am reading the first part, but the second part I didn't write down, so I'm going to see how I do. Though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. This is talking about Jesus. Jesus is God. And he said, I'm not going to grasp it. I am going to empty myself of the glory of it, not of being God. And I, God, am going to become man. I'm not man trying to become God. That's what you guys do. God doesn't do that. God being 
God then becomes man. It's called the incarnation. It's called the second person of the Trinity. Yes! That is good news. Man, does that fire me up. That's the reason you're a Christian. That's the reason you have security as a Christian. That's, that's your reason for living. It's not just the reason for the season as that little cute little bumper sticker says for Christmas. It is God becoming man. And it's the reason of all eternity. We're in the... Okay, how's that? I'm just going to say, whew. You just, you interpret who any way you want to. That's right. Slow down, Al. I'm slowing down. We're, we're peering, we're peering, we're peering into the depths of God's majesty and eternity and wisdom. And we are fools, limited little fools. It would be like a little three-year-old looking at the largest computer spacecraft that's so technical and going, oh, that's really cool. It's white. Just missing everything else, okay? So as much as we can as humans, stare with me at the majesty of God. Though he was in the form of God, hopefully that's back up there, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant. (laughs) I don't want to miss this. Being born in the likeness of men. Oh, let it settle in. Look, this is what they missed. How can God, who is one, also be this guy who's, who I'm talking to? Even though he's, he's healed the blind and he's fed, I don't know how he did that with 5,000 people, but he did it. And though he healed that guy that was lame, and though, how did he turn the 180 gallons of water into wine? Good wine, too. How did he do that? But see, what they didn't understand, because they weren't part of his sheep, is God can't be two, he's one. But what I'm telling you is that God is one, but he's three persons. And that unity of the Trinity, that unity between Father and Son, is your security. Because if he didn't come as God, you can't be saved. Follow me with me that this argumentation in the, in the following verses. Look what Jesus says here. In verse... 34, and Jesus answered them, is it not written in your law, I said you are gods? Huh? Okay. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father consecrated, circle that word consecrated, circle it on the screen, and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said I'm the son of God? Here's the argumentation. Fast. Go study it yourself. He was quoting Psalm 82.6. That's what Psalm 82.6 is the one that, that says, um, uh, uh, I said you are gods. And he's saying, look, if God is calling his people Israel gods, little g, just because they received the word of God, why do you think, why would you say that I'm blaspheming when I tell you I'm God, son of God, because I'm different from Israel. I'm the one, now look, this is that word that's so important, verse 36, whom the Father consecrated. And sent into the world. Now, what does that mean? Here's what it means. It means that God consecrated Jesus as the second person of the Trinity. We know this today. The Jews couldn't fathom this back then. To come and fulfill the very purpose for the very feast of dedication that they were celebrating. I mean, he does this throughout John. He just, it's just amazing how he reveals himself in a certain way that, that fulfills the very feast that they're celebrating. 
the Feast of Dedication was inaugurated to throw out the polluted, vile abomination of the sacrifice to Zeus from the holy altar of God so that the Jews could once again commune with God. Jesus says, listen, that was just a picture of me. God consecrated me. He set me aside. He made me holy to come to earth to throw out the vile, idolatrous sacrifices in your heart. Maybe not to Zeus, but to your own self. Your own bad self. And you live for you. And you worship idols that are you. Or this world. Or whatever you want to fill in the blank with. And Jesus says, I've come to rededicate the altar. The one place where man and God can meet. It's me. So how can you say I'm blaspheming when I tell you I'm God? Now, and here's where it really goes hyperspace. Because in the counsels of God from eternity past, God the Father agreed to send God the Son. They've, they've existed eternally. I don't know how, but I know it's true. And God the Son came and died for you and me. God the Father didn't die for you and me. God the Son did. One unity, one function. And not here, but in Scripture we see then God the Holy Spirit was sent by God the Father and God the Son, read Acts 2, to then communicate that to me so that you and I can have life. Because God the Holy Spirit accomplishes is the final one in this unity of purpose to give us life, to redeem a people for His own possession, a flock, a bunch of sheep who are saved from their sins. Because there's unity in the Trinity. The Father's unity, the Son's unity is your security. That's what it's, when it says in verse 29, the Father gave you to Jesus. He did that before eternity. The Bible says that he was slaying Jesus from the foundation of the earth. Look, I know we're, we're peering into the deep end of the pool here. But oh man, wake up. This is really important. Not whatever else you think might be. This is why you cannot please God on your own. You can just fall on your knees and say, Oh, thank you, Father and Son, for your unity. It is my security. It is my hope when I'm thinking about the sin maybe you're thinking about right now that you can't overcome. That's just been, just been kicking you around. It's your security when life is insecure. I am one of Jesus' sheep because the Father gave me to Jesus and no one can take me out of Jesus' hand. I'm going to persevere because God said I would. And their unity is my security. Oh, peer into the Trinity. Oh, peer into these scriptures, friends. This isn't dead religion. This isn't just theological mumbo-jumbo for the people that are really smart. This is practical. Feet on the ground. Rubber meets the road. My daily life in Christ. This is my security. Jesus fulfilled this feast of dedication when he said to them, how can you say I'm blaspheming when I'm the one who was consecrated by the Father? I'm the one who was sent by the Father. Don't you know? And then he says in verse 37, he appeals to them in verse 37. Listen, friends, if I'm not doing the works of my Father, then don't believe me. I love this, man. It's like put up or shut up with Jesus. You know, show me the money. And he shows them the money. And they still don't believe. You know? He walks the walk. He's the only one that walks the walk. The rest of us are all pretenders. Pretending to be God. With our own opinions and our own ways. And he says, look, I am God. Who became man. Worship me. That's what he's saying here. He's saying, look, don't believe me. Believe my works. Verse 38. But if I do them, 
Even though you do not believe me, believe the works. Why? That you may know and understand what? Here comes the Trinity flying at them at Mach 5. Believe what, Jesus? The Jews are like, what are you talking about, man? They got the rocks in their hands. What? Believe what? Believe this. The Father is in me. And I'm in the Father. <laughs> what? Get him! And, and, and look, I don't understand how he did this, but verse 39 says that they sought to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. Now, have you ever seen like, like Middle Eastern religious fanatics when they want to kill somebody? They usually accomplish their task, okay? One guy, a mob. And he just walks out. You, know, you want to know why he walked out? This one will go hyperspace too. Because it wasn't his time to die yet. Because God said he's not going to die in Solomon's colonnade, stoned to death, or beaten to death by a bunch of mad Jews. He's going to die purposely. He, he's going to voluntarily go up on that cross, and he's going to die naked, writhing in agony. It would have been better to die being stoned in the colonnade of Solomon. That's pretty quick. Now he's going to hang on the cross for six hours for you and for me. These are the works that Jesus said believe. And you know what? They didn't believe all the rest of them. But when they see that work, he's going to say that's the ultimate work. Because the Bible says that the power of God for salvation is the gospel, Jesus. And the glory of God is found on the cross of Christ. This is why the Father and Son's unity is your security. All of this. Do you hear it? Do you feel it? Do you sense it? Is the freight of this hitting you? like a linebacker would just flatten you if you were out on the football field in the NFL. Feel the power of the hit. You like that one? That was for you. Feel the power of the hit. But see, when that hit hits you, it frees you. You're no longer a free agent. You're free now because you are a bondservant of the Almighty God. And you've never been more free than when you belong to Jesus. Folks, some of you this morning need to come forward and receive ministry. Because some of you, some of you are wrapped up in yourself. Some of you need to repent and say, that's it, I give up. You're right, Al, I have no security in myself. I'm miserable. I'm running to the Father. Some of you need to be set free from worry. That's right. Worry is sin because you're in his hands and nothing can happen to you that he doesn't allow. Some of you just need to come forward and let us pray for you. So this is what we're going to do. In a moment, I'm going to pray. And then after I pray, we're going to worship a little bit. I'm going to ask the home group leaders to come up. And we're just going to be praying for you. Look, this is just a time of ministry. Take advantage of it. Jesus is your good shepherd. Would you come and receive his care through the fellow sheep who can pray for you? Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, I thank you for your grace this morning. Lord, I thank you that, that in, in all eternity, before the foundation of time, before you spoke this earth into existence by your very words, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, you agreed. You agreed to send the Son, Jesus Christ, born of a virgin, fully God, fully man, to live the perfect life for me, for these, my friends who are listening. And then to, to climb up on that cross and writhe in agony under the wrath of God. Oh, Father God, your hand crushed your son that your hand might protect me. I don't understand that. I just want to thank you for that. And I pray for my friends this morning who are worried, 
who are fearful. Lord, would you minister to them? Would, would they feel your care as their good shepherd who will never allow anything into their lives that, that wouldn't be for your glory and their good? May we see you, Jesus, as God become man, humbling himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. And then see you, Father, exalting the Son to the place, the name above all names. Jesus, the name that's above my worry, my fear, my problems, this world, Satan, whatever it is we're afraid of, it's bigger than that. May we come running to you this morning. Oh God. Oh Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord Jesus. Let's just do this. Let's just stand quietly. Let's sing this song. Home group leaders, while we stand, would you come forward? If, if you would like ministry, would you please come? Avail yourselves of the Good Shepherd's care. But let's sing this song together.